It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. The show is made possible by fantastic people, and I'm not just saying that because they're patrons of the show. They're fantastic people, but they are also patrons of the show. Now, are they fantastic people, and that's why they're patrons of the show, or are they patrons of the show, and that makes them fantastic? I am not here to solve that riddle. Um, I think it's both. I think they're just awesome people. Patrons like Paul, Meredith, Dennis, Jonathan, Rebecca, and Taylor, Yuri, LL, David, Patty, and Trudy, thanks so much for the support. I could not do the show without you. You know, we're actually approaching one full year in operation. I did not think that that was going to be possible. Um, Like, honestly, when I started it up, I wasn't sure if this thing was going to crash and burn (laughs) or uh, if it would be successful. And I can't thank you enough for making it successful. Uh, Also, sponsors of the program, like Growers Hemp, Uh, They help keep the show afloat. So if you are interested in getting some CBD oil, you want to try some CBD products, it's not just oil. I take the drops, the oil drops before I go to bed and I sleep more deeply now than I ever have in my life. Uh, And uh, maybe you don't want to do the drops. Maybe you want to use a topical, um, like a balm uh, or a salve. Is there a difference between a balm and a salve? I mean, aside from the, you know, the letters in the word. Now, Growers Hemp is, these are North Carolina farmers, family farmers, and uh, they banded together, essentially kind of like a co-op kind of a model. And uh, they said, you know what, let's control the whole process because they had seen a lot of farmers and uh, some of them that are a part of it. You know, they saw a lot of people come into town from out of state when uh, CBD was sort of launching and hemp was, uh, was approved for growing with, you know, certain permits. And they saw some of these folks coming in from California and, you know, convinced farmers to plant a lot of crops and then they blew town. And then what do the farmers do? You know, you're, you got all this crop. What do you do with it? Um, And so they were like, you know what? There's a better way. We can do this better. And so they proceeded to do that. They'd made a better way. Growers hemp, full spectrum hemp extract. They control the entire process from seed to shelf. North Carolina farmers doing this all. And what that means for you is that you get better quality and you get lower prices. And you support North Carolina agriculture and families. So uh, you, you know, make advances in your wellness journey and you help support local farmers. It's a really great model. So as with all CBD products, I got to give you the disclaimer that GovCo requires. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Uh, go to growershemp.com. That's their website, growershemp.com, and use the promo code PETE, and you will get 20% off. That is a deal, folks. It's a great deal. Take advantage of it. If you got questions, they want to answer them. Growers Hemp uh, will help you every step along the way. Do not be afraid to reach out to them. Like I said, the North Carolina farmers. So uh, go to the website, growershemp.com. You can also find their products on the shelves at the Broad River Hemp Company in Shelby, Medical Pharmacy in Locust, and the Durham Co-op. Growers Hemp, from North Carolina farmers to your home, it's about the hemp and not the hype. So 
on the last podcast show, I or episode, I guess I call them shows because I'm a radio guy, but in podcast world, they call them episodes. But I always think of episodes as, you know, some sort of a health crisis uh, that you're afflicted with or uh, television. And I don't don't think what I'm doing here is anything close to television, so I prefer show. All right, so that's what we're going to call it. On the last show, we went over the video evidence that out of Georgia at the Fulton County uh, Board of Elections counting site. Uh, This was at State Farm Arena, and there was video Uh, that was presented at a state legislative hearing that showed people taking uh, what appeared to be like suitcases. They were rolling, uh, they look like, and I described them as this at the time. I said they look like sort of the hard shell luggage, but they're not luggage. It's not a suitcase. Uh, they're, They're containers. And people in broadcasting, we are familiar with these types of uh, storage devices because uh, we pack up equipment in these types of hard shell uh, uh, cases and they usually have like foam or something on the inside and then you travel with it because it's got rolly wheels and a handle It, it looks like a suitcase but it's technically not a suitcase why is this important well i said at during the last show i said i'm not sure if it's a quote suitcase or not it looks like just one of those things that i'm familiar with and it appears actually that that is now the case that has been kind of confirmed here that the it was not like a suitcase so it wasn't like somebody had just like uh grabbed a bunch of luggage stuffed a bunch of ballots in them and hid them under a table so we now know more information about uh what happened at the state farm arena this is from leadstories.com a piece by alan duke And he says the claims that there were uh, these ballots stuffed in the suitcases that were then taken out from under the table after the room got cleared. And again, for the record, in case you didn't hear the last show, I said this needed to be investigated. Now, I'm not automatically going to believe the best or worst of the allegations or accusations here. I want an investigation. I want more information. Let's see what more investigation or examination turns up. There are a lot of people that, and a lot of them are are actually in media, that uh, their entire rap is to predict things in the future. And (laughs) if they are wrong, they never go back and tell you that they got something wrong. They they will tell you, I called it. They'll be first to let you know that they totally called something a long time ago. I, I encounter a lot of this surrounding like COVID as well. I said this was the case back in April. Like, okay, but you didn't know anything back in April, you know? Like, you're just guessing at stuff back in March and April and May. No, Nobody knew. There's a brand new virus. Nobody knew how it was transmitted. People thought it was being transmitted, you know, on surfaces and the like. Um, which, by the way, why are all of the surface disinfectants, like, why are they still missing from the shelves? Like, come on, people. <laughs> I no, there are a lot that's now back on the shelves. I, although toilet paper, apparently there was another run on the toilet paper. I probably shouldn't use that those terms together. I digress. So back to this story. Leadstories.com by Alan Duke says the claims uh, that we covered basically in the last podcast, uh, they're not true. He says two high level officials with the Georgia Secretary of State's office and a state elections board monitor each told lead stories that their investigations revealed nothing suspicious in the video. 
The officials said the ballots seen in the video were in regular ballot containers, not suitcases. So there it is. Like I said at the time when I looked at the video, I said, I'm not sure those are suitcases. They just seem like those cases. And again, maybe it's nitpicky, but they're making a distinction because it matters because those are the approved cases or containers for the ballots. They're not suitcases. So it's not like someone, you know, nefariously or surreptitiously stuffed a bunch of Pierre Cardin luggage under the table, you know, stuffed with ballots or anything. Anyway, um, is Pierre Cardin even a luggage? I don't know. Anyway, the officials said the ballots seen in the video were in regular ballot containers, not suitcases, and they had been removed from their envelopes and processed while news media and election observers for the Republican Party and Trump campaign were present. So I mentioned this also in the last show that there were two different um, crews doing different operations, right? The people who were in that room, uh, you had some that were called cutters and then some that are, I think they're called counters or scanners. And so one group, and this takes, um, it takes a lot longer to scan the ballots. I said this the last show, it takes a lot longer to scan the ballots than it does to cut open the envelopes and sort them. So that's what was going on. And there were like a whole bunch of people there, lots of monitors and observers, like everybody's watching all this occur. Um, And so when that, when the cutting process is done, when they're, you know, opened up the envelopes, pulled out the ballots and stuff, when they've done all of that, then they put them in these cases. They close the cases up and then they wait for the counters because the counter uh, process takes longer. And so when they announced, well, let me go back to the story here, leadstories.com, the media and party observers, they this, according to the story, the media and party observers were never told to leave because counting was over for the night. But they apparently followed workers who left once their job of opening envelopes was completed. That according to the chief investigator for the secretary of state. So you have two different stories that are being told here. And for the record, to be clear, I don't know which one is true. I would suspect you don't either, right? Unless you were there or you know all of the parties involved and you've interviewed them yourself. Like, I don't know. Nobody knows what the truth on this is. Because if you've got people that were in the room that said they were told to leave the room, then that would be in direct conflict with the investigators who say nobody was told to leave the room. I don't know. So that's sort of an open question in my mind as of right now. The observers were free to return at any time, according to the investigator. Georgia law allows observers but does not require them to be there for ballots to be counted. So isn't that that, that's an interesting carve out. They're not required to be there for the counting, which seems to me to be a pretty important part of the process. But maybe not, because if you're just running them through a scanner, then, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe the, the key portion of the process is in the cutting open of the ballots and sorting them after that they just get scanned in i don't know i it seems to me like you would want somebody there though the whole time through every step of the process uh the epic times reported that the uh reported these quote false claims in an article titled georgia state farm arena footage shows poll workers staying behind and pulling out suitcases with ballots okay that's that's actually not a false claim, though, leadstories.com. That's not a false claim. That actually did happen. There were poll workers who, quote, stayed behind and 
pulled out suitcases with ballots. Okay, are they not technically a suitcase? This is where, this is where the, the you know, these people with motivated reasoning that do the fact checks for news organizations, this is where I get so frustrated with them is because they, they pull this kind of garbage. They'll say, well, it technically wasn't a suitcase because a suitcase is defined as a piece of luggage that people put their garments in when traveling. And this was not technically a suitcase. It was a hard shell case used for the transporting of ballots. So therefore not a suitcase. Like that's the kind of motivated reasoning that they would use in order to, uh, you know, to split the hair and say, Ah, uh, that's not a that's not a true claim. This is a false claim because not technically a suitcase. No, I'm not saying that's what Lead Stories is doing here, but there, otherwise, there's no way that you can say that the Epic Times headline here on their story is some sort of false claim. Here is uh, the Epic Times uh, excerpt. President Donald Trump's legal team on Thursday presented surveillance footage to the Georgia state legislature hearing that appears to show election ballot counting workers kicking out poll observers late at night on Election Day before pulling out suitcases allegedly filled with ballots. All of that is true. None of that is a false claim. None of that's a false claim. A woman who identified herself as Jackie Pick a lawyer who's assisting with the legal case, and we played the audio from her presentation to the hearing uh, at the on the last show. She said that the team received video footage from State Farm Arena's Vote Tabulation Center in Fulton County, Georgia. The team said that the GOP poll watchers were not allowed to watch the counting process in the poll center. But according to Pick, an unusual occurrence took place later in the evening at like 10, a, uh, 10 p.m. Uh, a woman described as a blonde woman with braids told workers to stop counting and told everybody to go home. Everybody clears out, including the Republican observers and the press. But four people stay behind and continue counting and tabulating well into the night. And they counted unobserved until about 1 a.m. That was the story in the Epic Times. Now, what... Frances Watson says she is the chief investigator for the Georgia Secretary of State. She says to leadstories.com that the ballots were in standard containers and the work during the time in question had nothing to do with pulling ballots from under a table. She said there wasn't a bin that had ballots in it under that table. It was an empty bin and the ballots from it were actually out on the table when the media were still there. And then it was placed back into the box when the media were still there and then placed next to the table. So I'm not sure where the cases come into play here. There was never an announcement made to the media and other observers about the counting being over for the night and them needing to leave, according to Watson, who was, uh, who was provided information by the media liaison who was present. She says that they just followed the cutters as they left. So now this this raises another point of conflict because on election night itself, we were told that they had stopped counting. That was the report, and it didn't just come from Georgia, right? There were a bunch of states where the news was reporting, and maybe the news got it wrong. Far be it for me to suggest that a media operation might get something wrong, <laughs> but... They uh, they t uh, they were reporting that all of these different states, coincidentally swing states, had stopped counting. But what Georgia Secretary of State Investigator Francis Watson says is that actually, no, when the cutters were done with their side of the operation, they left. And there was an announcement made that said they're leaving. 
And if people interpreted that to mean that it was all stopping for the night, well, that's on them. We never said that. Nobody, here's what they, she said, nobody told them to stay. Nobody told them to leave. Nobody gave them any advice on what they should do. And it was still open for them or the public to come back into view at whatever time they wanted to, as long as they were still working. In addition, she explained that the only ballots that were scanned after the media and other observers had left were those that had already been opened in front of these observers. Contrary to the claim, the ballots were not in suitcases, she said. The black boxes and bins seen in the video are the standard container used for the ballot counting process. Okay, so no suitcases, standard container, and uh, they cut them all open and everybody was there to see that. They put them in the containers and that's what people saw. So it's not what was alleged. Okay, Uh, Eric Erickson, he is a... uh, conservative talk show host in Georgia. He's also a lawyer. I, I, I don't I don't I don't think he still practices, but he has been involved in a lot of election lawyering. OK, and uh, he's he's quite upset about all of this. He's like, you people are making all these accusations and you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, he started a piece uh, last week. Uh, he says, I know I won't change your mind. I don't care about that. I care about the truth. What is truth? It is not what you think, but what is. Okay, and that's and all of that is fair. And I understand his frustration. This is a guy who knows what he's talking about on this stuff. And you've got other people who are like, well, I saw these video clips and you're wrong. And I don't know how you argue with that. If, you know, if, uh, like I, I've got to default to the person who has more expertise in the subject matter. Generally, I do. And if he has done this research and he has talked to these people, which he says he has, then I'm going to kind of default to him. You know, um, this is why going to a court of law is so important, because you need to be able to make the case and we need to get people, you know, under oath, providing testimony, presenting evidence, and then having people adjudicate it and decide what is truth or as close as we can, you know, get to discovering and knowing what truth is. Um, So I'm all on board with more examination and more uh, investigation. But right now, I got to go sort of with the Eric Erickson side of this. He says, what happened is at 10 p.m., the Fulton County Board of Elections announced that they were sending most everybody home. Speaking of homes, if you don't have a home to go to, you need a home. So um, get Rowena Patton to work for you. Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, and uh, they will get you in a house. They have homes in all price points. And if you're thinking about selling your house, she outsells 99% of the realtors in the entire state of North Carolina. That's pretty impressive. Also, if you are using Rowena Patton, she's the only agent in the Asheville area that is a Homes for Heroes member. Um, This is uh, a program, national program, uh, and it's open for uh, police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So veterans, active duty, and retired uh, vets. And so uh, you get to keep 25% of the realtor commissions, buying or selling. She's the only Homes for Heroes agent in Asheville. Uh, give her a call. She's the only agent we called when we uh, started buying our home, buying or selling. One number, 333-4483. Website is mountainhomehunt.com and start packing. So uh, what if at 10 p.m. the Fulton County Board of Elections announced that they're going to send 
almost everybody home. All the cutters are going home. And what if the Republicans decided that that meant everybody was leaving, but that's not actually what was said? Is that possible? Could that have happened? I think that's very likely. I do. I think that's a very likely chain of events to have occurred. I don't know that to be the case, but I think it's plausible. Uh, The Fulton County Board of Elections and the Secretary of State both attest that it was made clear they were sending most people home, not everyone home. So uh, now this is one of those things like you could have been clearer about that. You could have said, "Okay, everybody, look, the counting will continue. We're going to send this group away because they're done for the night but our work continues over here like they could have been very explicit something tells me they might not have been for everybody to have gotten the erroneous impression (laughs) that they were being kicked out that counting was ceasing that all operations were ending for the night when they actually were not like that that's a communication problem that's on you that's you know i always say If I'm talking about something and everybody doesn't understand what I'm talking about, that's on me. Like, I'm the professional here. I'm the one trying to communicate a message. And if you're not getting that message, that's on me. So, well, most times, most times, yes, that's sometimes like people hear what they want to hear. Like that is a lot of times that that happens too. people hear what they want to hear. But that's the nice thing about podcasts versus live radio is that the podcast, you, you just rewind a little bit and say, what the heck did Pete just say? You just rewind it, and then you can hear a little bit, you know, backwards and, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he did say something crazy. So the Secretary of State's monitor was actually there to observe. Nothing nefarious was seen. The monitor left to get a drink, and the GOP, according to Eric Erickson, selectively cut the video to make it look like the monitor left completely but he did not. The Secretary of State, the monitor, and the people that were there all confirm that he was only gone for a couple of minutes. The Republican board member for the Fulton County Board of Elections also confirms this. So as it stands, according to Eric Erickson, there was nothing illegal or abnormal, but most people won't care. They'll believe what they want to believe, not the truth. Because as Republican voters blast the Democrats and the left for saying things like their truth and my truth instead of the truth republicans are doing the same facts don't matter apparently only feelings and in the meantime the republicans are losing the senate to the democrats who will annihilate president trump's legacy but who cares about that when we can accept at face value the opinions of people who are not present at a process and ignore the statements of those who were the people most prone to blurting out bleep your feelings have gotten so emotional they're being manipulated and lied to and will not throw or yeah will not throw away a senate majority i think i think they will i think he means to say that they'll they will throw away yeah cuz he says the people most prone to blurting out bleep your feelings have gotten so emotional they are being manipulated and lied to and will throw away a senate majority i think i think that might be the case here folks There are a lot of people that are personally and financially invested in keeping people angry. You know that, right? It's not just the left that does it. There are people on the right that do this too. And maybe you want to believe it's not the ones that you like. That's, that's, I'm not trying to, I'm not naming any names here. All I say is maybe be aware. Just think about it. Let the notion cross your mind. Like maybe this 
entity, this person, maybe they're just trying to stir stuff up and make me mad so I donate money. I mean, how many how many millions of dollars has been raised, you know, since this uh, since the election day? Right. How, how much money has been pumped into these efforts? People are making some money. I'm not and I'm not saying they're it's all nefarious. I'm not saying that everybody is lying. I'm just saying just keep it in mind. It's it's important to have that idea and to guard against that sort of thing, because the easiest people that you can uh, identify as a mark, you know, if you're trying to con people uh, are the ones who are so emotionally invested in something they can't see or think clearly. Um Eric Erickson concludes the Georgia GOP could have examined the absentee ballot electors before Election Day. They could have fought to observe the signature verification process, and they could have demanded to stay and observe that night, but they did not. So part of the narrative here that you got to understand is that the Georgia GOP did not do the things that it could have done to make sure there were no shenanigans and now is obfuscating and misdirecting blame. So there's another layer here. There's another uh, angle to keep in mind, a potential motive here. You've got people that should have been on guard and should have taken precautions and should have staffed it up and done things, and they didn't. And so now they want to try and you know, make sure that they don't catch holy Hades for not doing some of those things. And so they're trying to, bl- uh, they're trying to blame shift, right? There's, there's some more motivated reasoning for you. Now, if you need some motivation to go over to general equipment rental and check out their selection, uh, how about this? Have you raked up all your leaves yet? Do you have a leaf blower? Is the leaf blower like kind of just going, it's not even really blowing anymore. It's just kind of like, you can't even really even move a lot of them. Or how about this? You go to the old school leaf blowers and maybe it, it works fine, but there's only one speed, right? It's like supercharged turbo speed and <laughs> that's it. And so it like, only, you know, knocks siding off of your house. Um, maybe you want something with some more, you know, variability, variable speeds and stuff. Look, they, they have all sorts of tools at General Equipment Rental. And right now, you want to get your house prepped for the winter time, get all the leaves off the lawn and all of that. And General Equipment Rental has the tools that you need for the jobs that you need to get done. If you're a general contractor, by the way, this is a great place to pick up the tools for individual projects without having to sink a bunch of money into a tool that you're only going to use, you know, once a year or something. Uh, also, they have the Husqvarna Auto Mower, 10% off while supplies last. Uh, this is a great gift idea for the hard to shop for person with a lawn. Uh, you get them this auto mower. It looks like the Batmobile. It's a Roomba for the for the yard, and it just drives around silently all day, all night, cuts the grass constantly, and uh, so your yard is always perfectly maintained. And here's the key, too. It takes so little off of the top that... Um, the little, the tiny little clippings, you know, they fall down into the in, into the the grass bed, and they fertilize. They break down and fertilize the lawn, which is healthier for the lawn. A lot of people think, or they don't actually even think, when they just go out and they're like, "Oh, I haven't mowed the yard in you know a month," and then the, it's all tall, and they just like, and they just cut it all down, you know, crew cut the thing. That's that, that stresses a lawn. That's actually very bad. And then the the, the length of the the grass that you cut off it 
now falls onto the the lawn, and then people just leave it there and like, oh, it'll fertilize the lawn. Well, not when it's that much. It's the the the, the blades of grass are too long. It's too much. So the automower takes care of all of that. And if anybody tries to steal this thing, it shuts down once it gets outside the perimeter of your yard, and it becomes a paperweight, and it has a GPS locator so you can find the thieves. Think about the satisfaction there. Like the neighborhood kids take your auto mower, and then you can go like right to their house and be like, uh, hey, I uh, think you have something that belongs to me. And uh, by the way, Johnny Law here has some questions for your uh, you know, 15-year-old son that's you know menacing the neighborhood. <laughs> I know I've just conjured up this entire uh, character of what happened in uh, in my neighbor or a neighborhood. It a neighborhood. It's completely fictional, people. Okay, General Equipment Rental, GeneralRents.com. Go check them out, GeneralRents.com, and think outside your toolbox. All right, let me move on here. We've got audio from Nancy Pelosi. So, two point five trillion dollars. That was the demand that Nancy Pelosi made of the House and the Senate and President Donald Trump for COVID-19 relief, $2.5 trillion. And that was it. It was all or nothing. And we kept getting beaten over the head by the Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, that we have to do the CARES Act, the $2.5 trillion deal. If we don't do it, then we hate people. We want them to die. Why won't we save people's lives? Why are you opposing the life-saving bill that also bans voter ID? Why would you do that? Right, the Democrats, they lit this thing up like a Christmas tree, which, by the way, I'll tell you my story about the Christmas tree. All right, I'll get to that later in the show. So they said we had to vote for this $2.5 trillion deal. It was all or nothing, right? Because the Senate had a version, but it was much smaller. And Nancy Pelosi was like, screw that. We're not taking that. We need $2.5 trillion. This is the only deal that we will take. And she was asked several months ago, because this has been her position for six months. And she said at the time, when asked, like, why not take half a loaf, right? Why not? And I said this at the time, too, like, you take half the loaf and you come back and fight for the second half. And she said, no, that this was too important. You had to put it all out there because uh, you can't leave any of these uh, these uh, spending uh, line items behind. They all have to go. It wasn't a believable strategy or uh, argument, rather, at the time, and I thought it was quite clear what the strategy was, and now she acknowledges it. She admits it. In one of the nastiest, most unethical plays since Harry Reid accused Mitt Romney of lying on his taxes, remember that? And then when he was asked about, so you never had any evidence of that, he says, well, Mitt Romney didn't win, did he? Like, the ends justify the means. So here's what happened at the Nancy Pelosi uh, press conference when she was asked about this. And I apologize for the muffled sound of their comments, but they are wearing masks. What shifted, in your opinion, when the Problem Solvers Caucus had a much larger bill a few months ago, you did not like that piece of legislation? What what has shifted now when they're on board with this piece that's come out of the sun? All right. So the reporter is asking, what shifted from before with your $2.5 trillion demand to now with what's uh, this proposal uh, uh, that is much smaller because the the current proposal is $900 million. That's it. 900. I'm saying that's it. It's $900 million, but 900 million 
Okay. And in August, there was another proposal that came from the Problem Solvers Caucus. This was bipartisan uh, members of the uh, House, and it offered more money than the proposal does now. It was, I think it was like a trillion. So it was over a trillion. So it was more than the 900 million she's saying that they'll do now. It was less than the 2.5 trillion that she demanded. And so when the Problem Solver Caucus came forward in August, she shot that down. She said no, right? But now she's saying we're gonna run this bill that's even less than the one she shot down. What shifted is the question, what shifted? And her answer? In short, Donald Trump lost the election. Well, he didn't win, did he? That's essentially what she says. Take a listen. Perhaps you missed what I said earlier. Joe Biden committed to ending and crushing the virus and having a Build a Better America initiative, Big Back Better. So that's it. So, so Joe Biden won, and he's committed to defeating the virus. He said he would. I guess just like he defeated cancer, right? Like that initiative that he was put in charge of that didn't actually defeat cancer. That one? Yeah. So he totally, it's going to totally happen. Well, he's got to get back in the White House, I guess, in order to make that happen. Even though the 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 Biden Global Initiative or whatever it was called, the, yeah, or the Cancer Initiative, whatever it was, that they, they've shut down now. Anyway, um, maybe he gets the band back together and they, they relaunch it now that he's uh, going to go back to the White House. So she's saying Joe Biden wins, and that's the reason why that things have changed. He won, and he's really interested in solving this, I guess, whereas Trump was not. Trump, you'll recall, the one who, you know, stripped away all the regulations to allow you know, Operation Warp Speed and the creation of a vaccine in a historically rapid timeline. A vaccine answered to our prayers an answer to our prayers of 95% effectiveness in terms of Pfizer and Moderna, and there may be others uh, coming forward. Uh, that makes, that is a total game changer. A new president and a vaccine. So, why didn't you take the Problem Solver Caucus number at, you know, over a trillion dollars back in August? You wanted 2.5, they offered you over a trillion you said no, but now you're saying yes to 900 million. And she says the reason why is because there's now a vaccine coming and we have a new president. But that, that actually doesn't address the question. She's not, there isn't, any, there isn't any rational reason why she changed her mind. Under those, if you're assuming that she was actually trying to get something passed, Right. That's the assumption that we're working off of. And that's the assumption built into the reporter question is you're trying to get something done. Why didn't you take this deal? What shifted in your mind to now take this deal? Right. And she's saying, well, the politics, we, we won the White House. So now we can do a deal. It's fine. We can do a deal now. That's fine. We were trying to use it to hurt uh, to hurt Donald Trump. That's the only reason. They with they withheld the money from Americans who were, you know, getting evicted they were losing their jobs. They were going on government assistance. They were you know losing their mortgages like people who were hurting and needed the government relief. She held all of us hostage because she wanted to hurt Donald Trump. And nobody seems willing to pin her on this. 
So th there's nothing to, th these are different. What, what was then before was not more of this. This is, has simplicity. It's what we've had in our bills. It's for a shorter period of time, but that's okay now because we have a new president, a president who recognizes that we need to depend on science to stop the virus, a president who understands that America's working families need to have money in their pockets in a way that takes them into the future without any of the contraptions of any of the other bills uh, that the administration was associating itself with them before. We feel very excited about the prospect that the, there's a bipartisan bill, because I told members, I'm not bringing any more bills that are not bipartisan. <laughs> we wanted to, to, uh -huh. to um, show what needs to be done in the interest of negotiation. They're negotiating. It's a good product. It's not everything we want. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want the Republicans to think that, we, uh, that this is a dream come true. It is not. But it is a path forward. Yeah. It is a path forward. Again, now we can do this because we have a president that we like and we have a vaccine coming. When people needed the money, we would not do anything because we didn't like the president. That's what she just said. That's what she's saying. What I'm saying is the science tells you that people sleep differently and need different mattresses. That's what the science says. And so when you go to Mattress Man, they will help you pick the right mattress for you based on the science of how you sleep. Actually, their sleep consultants go through six weeks of intensive and extensive training. So they know this stuff. I do not know this stuff. I cannot tell you about the science of sleeping, uh, which positions are best for uh, which mattresses, but they can. They can help you. And they know, like, a lot of people walk in and like, oh, you know, I, I need a really firm mattress. Well, do you? Do you really? A lot of people say or think that they need a certain type of mattress when, in fact, they probably would get a better night's sleep on a different kind of mattress. Go get some guidance from Mattress Man. They have four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They do ship nationwide. They support this program, and so I ask you to support them. Let the sleep consultants help you find the right bed for you. Five-star local delivery service, a 120-day comfort guarantee, triple zero financing, so zero money down, zero in uh, interest for two years, and zero payments for 90 days. You can also pick up a free box spring with the purchase of a Biltmore mattress. These are the mattresses made by Restonic in Fayetteville, and they are in the hotel and in the inn, uh, both of those located at the Biltmore estate. Also, you can score a free adjustable base with the purchase of select mattresses, and if you want to do a grab-and-go deal, just $299 will get you a queen-sized, bed-in-a-box, gel hybrid mattress. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Go to mattressmanstores.com and buy local and sleep better. All right, so Nancy Pelosi says that she the only reason she uh, uh, blocked this uh, problem solver caucus offer back in August was because there was a different president. Now we're getting a better president that we like. And oh, and there's a vaccine that Donald Trump rushed through for us. But there's a there's a vaccine coming. Ed Morrissey calls this total garbage, total garbage. He says what makes it even more total garbage is that she's essentially crediting Joe Biden with the vaccine, which is an absurdity beyond belief. There's another reporter that asks her another question along these lines. And during these answers, the one she just gave and the one she's about to start on, 
you can see her hands, and I don't know if it's her age or what, but she's shaking. Like, her hand is shaking, and she's, like, wagging her finger. And, like, you can tell she is snapping at these reporters. And I just, I just for a moment wondered, what if it was a Republican Speaker of the House, right? If Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump, if Donald Trump behaved like that towards a reporter, you know what the story would be. Donald Trump rips the head off of reporters just asking questions, right? That that would be the framing of the story. But because it's Nancy Pelosi, it's, you know, Pelosi stands firm. Pelosi defends her decision. Listen to this. I said you don't have to accept half of a vote months ago. When you said, I'm not going to accept half of a vote. I'm going to tell you something. Now, don't, don't characterize what we did before as a mistake. As- so the reporter is asking her, was it a mistake? previously to to not do the deal and she's she jumps i'm like do not characterize this as a mistake the preface to your question if you want an answer right if you want an answer do not preface your question with calling this a mistake he he said was it a mistake are you saying it was a mistake to not take that earlier deal and she's like how dare you lead your question with an assumed premise like that which is what all reporters do especially to Donald Trump. That was not a mistake. It was a decision. Oh. And it has taken us to a place where we can do the right thing without other, shall we say, considerations in the legislation that we don't want. So did you know that the opposite of a mistake is a decision? Did you know that? I wasn't aware of that because I thought you could have a decision that's also a mistake. I did. I thought they. I thought that that was like there was some overlap there. I didn't realize those are opposites. Not a mistake it was a decision. Now, that is it. Now, th- the fact is, I'm very proud of where we are. My chairs, my chairs have worked very hard on all of this. Oh. They were not even happy with a, a proposal that we made the other day before we saw this proposal. They thought we had come back too, too small. So it's not about an individual. It's about how we address the needs of the American people. And we have to do it in a scientific way, and we have to do it in a way that recognizes Science. people need food on the table. Where, were, where was this six months ago? Right? Where was this six months ago? This urgent need to get something done. And Republicans are like, okay, we'll meet you halfway. You, you want the moon? We'll get you halfway to the moon. And they're like, no, you got to give us all the moon, all the moon or nothing. And they would not budge on it. They're like, you have to do another two and a half trillion dollar deal or we're not going to agree to anything. And the Republicans were like, that's not happening. We can't do another two trillion dollar deal. And so why not take half the loaf? This is what people were asking at the time. Take half the loaf. Pelosi did not. Yet she is still celebrated. She gets interviewed. She does interviews in front of her $20,000 deep freezer with, you know, $100 worth of ice cream bars in it. And it was like, oh, my gosh, Slay Queen. She's so fantastic. And nobody is like, hey, um, you know, people can't even afford their groceries right now. And they're they're out of work. And you're not willing to come down on the on your relief package because You've thrown all sorts of other stuff in there. We went over this in prior episodes over the summer. Um, It's obvious what she has done. This is why Ed Morrissey at hotair.com calls it garbage. Total garbage. You need to get their rent paid. 
They need money in their pockets. They need their unemployment insurance to be there. They do not need a whole cacophony of other things that are on the agenda that have nothing to do with meeting their needs. So we're very pleased at where it Unreal. is. And as I say, with a Democratic president committed to a scientific solution for this, with the idea that we will have a vaccine, it's a complete game changer from them. So it's unreal, right? Like right there, she's, she calls it a total game changer, even though it was Trump's Operation Warp Speed program that created the very game changer she is now citing as the reason why she can do a smaller package, even smaller than what the Republicans were offering. It's it's also been well known, Ed Morrissey writes, that the vaccines would come before the end of the year and they almost arrived before the election itself, which is what Trump also said was going to happen. Like you can hate Donald Trump all you want, but he was right about the vaccine stuff. He was right about that. He was right to speed it up. He was right about the deregulation. He was right about the timeline. And he was optimistic, but just like with Pelosi's answer here about the relief package, they didn't want it to be true because they thought it would help him win re-election. And so it had to be false. My goodness, can you imagine if Donald Trump is able to to uh, to usher in the vaccine for COVID-19? My God, people might credit him with actually helping to cure the pandemic. And if that's the case, he's going to win re-election. So that can't happen. Trump was not an obstacle to spending more on COVID relief either. Ed Morrissey raises this point. It's a great point. He was mainly Pelosi's ally on that. Donald Trump has no problem deficit spending, right? He's got no problem throwing money out the door to to voters, right? If if it means they're going to like him, Donald Trump's got no problem doing that. Even if he thought some of the spending priorities should be different, he'd still go along with it. At one time, Trump even suggested adding together the plans from Pelosi and Mitch McConnell in the Senate and to spend $4 trillion, right? But Republicans were like, "Uh, yeah, no, that's not happening. So like, this is an admission from Pelosi that she held up any relief in order to undermine Trump in the election. Stacey Matthews at RedState.com, she points out that Trump made it a point Often to note that Pelosi, Schumer, Biden and the rest of the Democrats were using the virus and various relief packages to undermine his presidency and defeat him on Election Day. And reporters would scoff at these claims, reacting in outrage at such a heinous accusation. And as it turns out, it was indeed a heinous accusation, but one that was also true. How many Americans lost their jobs and homes because of what Pelosi did here? How many starved, gave up hope, committed suicide? Right? These are questions that will never get asked of her because the reasons why they'd be asked would show some of the left's true motivations for the shutdowns, the stall tactics, all of it right from the start. It was to defeat Trump literally by any cold-hearted means necessary. That's Stacey Matthews at redstate.com. Now, Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus, he's got tons of real U.S. military surplus, uh, but also military surplus from around the world. Like, for example, uh, the Swedish-made Mora knife, he puts this together as part of a limited edition survival outdoor kit. It's on the website only. It's a Christmas special he's doing. So you get the Swedish made Mora knife, fire starter, canteen, compass, and more. And it's all packed into either an ammo can or 
a um, a shoulder bag, which is actually uh, from the Finnish army, and it's a gas mask bag. So it's a really good way to start your your kits, whether you're starting a survival kit or if you just like to go, you know, camping or a hiker or something, you should have a first aid kit. I went on a hike a couple of weeks ago. I took with me the first aid kit that I got from Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Just, you know, I didn't need it, but if I did need it, God forbid, we would be prepared. Uh, first aid kits are also a great item uh, for a person that's, you know, hard to find but likes to do stuff outdoors. Get them a first aid kit. Go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It's on Main Street. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun, and uh, it is online at oldgrouch.com. The store is open Monday through Saturday and 24-7 online at oldgrouch.com. And uh, tell him that you heard it here on the podcast. He'd very much like to hear that. And I would very much like to hear him say that somebody came in and said (laughs) that they heard it on the podcast. It's always good to get that kind of feedback. Seriously, I always want to know when people... Uh, take my recommendations here and they have a good experience or I mean even a bad experience yes I want to hear about that too I prefer to hear about the good ones though because you know me I'm an optimist always <laughs> but I but no it's important I want to know you know I want to know that people are getting value for um, for their money so speaking of getting value for your money we bought a Christmas tree Christy and I bought a Christmas tree uh, yesterday and uh, we are not the only ones. Apparently, everybody is buying real Christmas trees. John Weaver with Weaver Tree Farms uh, in Tennessee says that business has been booming. People are sick of being inside. They're sick of wearing masks. They want to decorate and go home and take their masks off and be around the tree set. Every year, Weaver and his wife uh, bring trees from their farm in West Jefferson, North Carolina, to their storefront off of Signal Mountain Road in Chattanooga. And according to the AP, Christmas Tree Promotion Board, uh, the board says that their research shows people who bought an artificial tree last year are buying real ones this year, citing the pandemic as one of the reasons. And I started thinking about this, like, why now? Like, is it is it a legit excuse to get outside? Here's what I think it actually is. It's the smell. I think that's the deal. I think it's the smell. I think people want to have the smell of outdoors and the smell of Christmas inside. They want that feeling. They want that security. It's nostalgic. Uh, It's comforting. So Christy and I, we got our tree yesterday. We brought it home. It's a six-foot tree. And at the top of this tree, it's got a... um, it, well, it had. I saw it in the lot, and I saw it was nice and full and thick, and I like that, like a, a fat round tree, you know? So it's got a lot of... I don't like the ones with, like, long branches, and you can kind of see through into the... Anyway, I, I don't like that. I was, I, it was plump. It was fluffy. It was a puffy tree, and I liked it. So, uh, But I also noticed on the top, it had a branch, and it was all squiggly and twisty, and it was kind of like bent like an S, but on its side, sticking off to the side. And then there was this other branch sticking up, out of the same main uh, trunk branch, okay? So you got two of these branches. One's kind of straight up, and then the other one's like all squiggly. So we get it home, and I'm thinking to myself, when I'm seeing this thing, I'm like, okay, I'll cut that off, and you know, we'll use the main trunk branch right in the center, and that's where the star is going to go. So I start, uh, you know, we start decorating the tree, and we're putting it up, and we get to the part where like, I take this star out, and I said, all right, well, I'm going to cut the cut this off and Christy's like oh you can't you, you can't cut that off like I, just put it on there just put it on the squiggly one I, like I'm gonna put this star on the squiggly branch that's 
it's going to look stupid. <laughs> it's, it's sticking off to the side. And, and then, and I said, I, you know, I want to cut it. And she says, well, I don't want to cut it. And this began the great Christmas tree debate of 2020. And, um, you know, I think there was an accusation that I did not like trees and that I was overly aggressive on pruning branches. I think there may have been some, uh, I don't know, dredging up of some previous yard work from a decade ago. I, I, I can't really be sure. But here's the important thing. I surrendered. I said, okay, well, we'll put the star up as you on the branch you want. And so I jammed it on that, that squiggly, twisty branch. And uh, it's not a very heavy star either. And the, and the branch started falling down. So now it's like hanging even lower and it's like twisted off to the side. And it's, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like almost like, I know this thing is going to fall off one day, uh, either while I'm recording the show and you're going to hear a big crash or something, or uh, it's going to fall off like in the middle of the night. I'm going to think we're getting robbed uh, and, you know, you know, run out and start shooting the tree or something. So, uh, like, I got all these visions going on, and Christy's now looking at it, and she says, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe we should – I think we should – that doesn't look right. And so now I'm like, no. No doubt it's staying. Like, you – you won the argument. Like this is where this is what you wanted. So this is where it's going to go. It's not changing. And now we proceed to have a discussion, if you will, um, about uh, where whether it should stay or not. We've and we adopted essentially the uh, the opposing views. Um, I will tell you once again, I surrendered, but we co- actually compromised, and so I I cut one of the things, one of the squiggly one off, and then I I put the other one that was sticking straight up, the other branch sticking straight up, I put them together and I jammed the star on both of them. So we still have a very weird tree. And by the way, you can see it if you go to the Patreon page. It is available for viewing for all. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com and up at the top you'll see a link for patrons. Click that, it'll take you to the page and you'll be able to see the pictures that I took before and after. And you tell me, (laughs) which one uh, did we make the right call? All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate that. Become a patron of the show. Do it all at thepetecalendarshow.com. Talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.